two evils. How many of you would agree with your pastor tonight and say that there are challenges in the church that we are faced with as a result of what's going on in our world? Influences that are trying to creep in unawares, that have an agenda. Don't kid yourself. The devil knows how to plant people in the church to try to keep us from living for God. And if I have ever seen it, I'm seeing it now in our world, not only in North America. And so with that being said, there are things that are in the world, and you've heard me use the word quite often, a narrative that is being presented to society that is, if we're not careful, will affect our walk with God and our relationship with Christ. So I'm going to talk to you for a little while on this subject. Two evils. About 600 years before Christ, the nation of Judah was facing difficult times. The northern kingdom of Israel was history taken into Assyrian captivity. Manasseh and his son Amnon were very wicked kings, and they had led the nation into idolatry. Young Josiah, who was the son and the grandson of Manasseh and Amnon, struggled to do what was right. Josiah struggled, even though he had now become king, and he was struggling because he had to deal with the wickedness of his father and his grandfather. Josiah simply struggled because he wasn't raised with a solid example. He needed someone that he looked up to that would live the life that God intended for them to live. Words are cheap. But actions speak louder than words. Your lifestyle matters. Let me say it again. Your lifestyle matters. We have young people in this church that don't have the example of a mother and father. But the church ought to be that example. Amen. Whereas when they come here, they admire you. Oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. We might say, well, that's not our responsibility. But we have rooms full of young people and college and career. Kids that are needing someone to be an example, not of the things and the influences of our world and society, but things that really matter for eternity. They need that. So the reality is, is that you are not just an attendee, but you are an example of God's plan and purpose to the next generation. Josiah is sitting among us, needing someone to be an example. Brother Hawks, that's why we need men's ministries. This is not to be taken lightly, but to understand the value of that ministry as well as our ladies. Sister Hawks, 
It's important because they need to be able to come together and realize. And I thank God for a great godly couple that are a good example in those roles. Josiah struggled because he wasn't raised with a solid example. What would have happened if his father would have kept the laws of God? And what would have happened if his father had the example of Josiah's grandfather? What would have happened? What would have happened? It's impossible, and listen to me very carefully, to all of the family and the parents here today, that it's impossible for you to be a good example for your children in church when you're not a good example behind your closed doors of your home. If you and your husband or your wife is arguing all the time and it's dysfunctional and you're talking about people and you're gossiping and you're going through things that, 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 that you seem to struggle with. I remember when I was growing up, my mom and dad, when they'd have their argument, they would never argue in front of us kids. Why? Because it was none of our business to see the differences between mama and daddy. And I grew up thinking that my mom and dad was perfect. To this day, I don't know of a man that was any more loyal to God than my father. And to this day, I don't know of any woman that was a greater woman of God than my mother. Those were memories that are instilled in me and polarized in my mind. And it's important. It's important. It's important. It's important. But in the 13th year of Josiah's reign, God called a young priest to be his prophet. I like it already. All of these people that are coming out of the world are messed up. God's called you and I, come on, hear me now, to be a priest to them. How do you do that? That doesn't mean you're a pastor. That simply means that God is expecting you to bring them a word that might enlighten them to understand that God loves them and God will redeem them and he will save them. But they need someone that's willing to be called by God. You say, well, how do I know what that calling is? Once you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's impossible to have that and not have a calling. Uh, it went flat right there. I don't know why. But once you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that you're saved according to your testimony. What is your testimony? Your calling is your testimony. Talk about it. Speak into the lives of others. Let the word be in you and let it come out your mouth. And you'll be an example to the Josiah that are in our world today. Are you with me? So in the 13th year of Josiah's reign, God called a young priest to be a prophet. Does anybody know who that was? Anybody? Wasn't Samuel. Come on, somebody take a stab at it. Did someone say, I don't know? <laughs> it, his name was Jeremiah. He was a young man, only about 20 years old. Isn't it interesting that God was calling a 20-year-old, but he was intimidated by the people where he couldn't even speak. And the Bible says he was afraid of their eyes because they were staring at him. 
You know how that stare is looking at you like, who do you think you are, little boy? But God did not accept his youth as an excuse. God did not accept his youth as an excuse. God said, I called you in the story. You don't qualify you, God qualifies you. You don't determine what God has in store for you. You just fall in love with God's plan and you'll find yourself being called to a higher level in your own walk with God so that you can also be an example to others. Now it's time, Jeremiah, you grow up and realize you might only be 20 years old, but I'm getting ready to use you as an instrument and tool in my hand to reach a whole nation. It's not just talking about reaching your family. There's some of you right now, I believe this with all of my heart, they have the ability to reach nations and reach into ethnicity groups that some may not be able to reach into, but God called you. For everyone has the right to be saved according to the Word of God. Amen. It was his first assignment as God's prophet. Jeremiah was sent with a message to Jerusalem, recalling and remembering their faithfulness. God called Jeremiah to say, remind them what they used to be. Hmm. The second was the house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel lamenting their apostasy into idolatry. He said, listen, they're going the wrong way. Let them know. Jeremiah, truth is truth. And once someone has held to that truth, they should know better. They're doing things they know is not right. They're following after the influences of their kingdom. Assyria, they're following after Josiah and his father and grandfather's influence. And he says, you need to let them know that there's some changes that need to be made. So then, calling for the heavens to look down. I'll show you this scripture in a moment. Calling for the heavens to look down on the astonishment of great fear as God accused his people of committing two great evils. Two great evils. Jeremiah 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. It says this. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. Basically what God is saying to Jeremiah, that the heavens look at how terrible it is when people remove themselves from God. I know this may not be a popular message, but someone's got to preach that when you remove yourself from God, there are consequences. That we need to realize that just because God is God, God cannot bless you and God cannot touch you and God cannot protect you if you move yourself out from under the secret place of his covering. And so when he says, dwell in the secret place of the Most High and under the shadow of the Almighty, so he will be my fortress. It's interesting to me how people blame God. 
for their own actions and make him responsible for their bad choices. It's interesting to me how people will say that God should have done this and God should have done that, but then we negate our own responsibilities of the things that we should be doing. Well, pastor's back. I want to talk about some of this because we need to realize that God is a good God. God is a faithful God. He's a God that will be with you through thick and thin. God will never walk away from you, but you will walk away from God if you're not careful. You've got to understand that God will never leave you. But that doesn't mean that people will not leave God. He says, oh ye heavens, be astonished at this and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. Are you going to remove yourself, isolate yourself, and, and, and step aside from God's word when God says, no, I'm the only thing you have. The world didn't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. And I'm telling you, the government won't give it to you. I don't care how many stipend checks you get. The government cannot give you what the Lord will give you. And we got to get to the place where we start trusting in God more than we're trusting in what everybody else is saying so that we can come to the place where God can give us the blessings and God can cover us with his peace and protection. Mm. Then he goes on in the 13th verse, he says, For my people have committed two evils, two evils, two evils. And he breaks it down. He says, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewned them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. It's interesting to me how that everything that has anything to do with evil is wrapped up in this one scripture. Are you with me? I'm going to break it down. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to break it down. Amen. Committed two evils. Forsaken me. The fountains of living waters and hewned them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. First one we want to deal with is forsaking their God, who was the fountain of living waters. Living waters was used to denote springs, Fountains, running streams, as opposed to stale and stagnant water. This, this needs to hit us where we live. We can no longer have church just simply because it's the entertainment and it's our religious duties or that it's been given to us as a right. Mediocrity needs to be put out the door. And when we have church, we need the anointing to sweep in this place, turn our lives inside out, and mop, our, out, mop out our soul so that when we walk out the door, we can say, God, I know I have met with you. And in that experience that I have had, I believe my life has been forever changed. Hallelujah. Then they said, hewing for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. Cisterns were tanks for rainwater and they would hewn and cut out of stone these, these cisterns. 
But unlike most cisterns, these were broken and cracked. They could not even retain water. So it was futile. They were making themselves something that would not hold what they needed to sustain life. I don't care what anybody says. When you get involved in religion, you will never understand what it is to have experience with Christ. I'm tired of hearing people just preach anything they want and think they're saved. And then they try to debate the Bible with me. And when you put them in their place and they understand the truth, they still want to wiggle out of it. I can't get it. I don't understand it. Are you not interested in the salvation of your own soul? And if someone brings you the truth, including myself, why would you not want to receive it so that you might be saved? Because, baby, I am telling you right now, when you draw your last breath. You better hope to God you didn't make an excuse as to why you wouldn't receive the truth. My God, I feel the anointing here. You better quit making excuses. When it's time for Jeremiah to speak, we need to open our ears and hear the truth of God's word. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Come on. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to break this down a little bit. Is that all right? Israel forsook her foundation to which she forsook the fountain of living waters. That's what the scripture says. Israel, not the enemy, Israel who's, was who he was talking to. This message I'm preaching tonight is to the church. God was Israel's fountain of living waters. God. Israel, do you know that you cannot live without God? How is that? Well, it was God who delivered her from Egyptian bondage in Jeremiah 2.6. It was God who led her through the wilderness in Jeremiah 2.6 as well. It was God who brought her into the land of milk and honey in Jeremiah 2.7. But yet Israel had forgotten her God. And it begins with her own priests and own rulers in Jeremiah 2.8. When it says in that verse, Jeremiah 2.8 says, the priest said not, or the priest said nothing. Where is the Lord? They didn't address the true issue. Where is God? That ought to be the first question we ask when we walk in this place. Where you at, Lord? If I have to look under every chair, if I have to find it in every song, if I can't find it there, I'll look in for him in the guitar. It's got to be someone in here anointed enough where God is in the place, where we got to look for it in every message that is preached. Maybe, just maybe, we'll find him in our prayer request on the screen, but we need to come in this place and say, God, even on a Wednesday night, I got to find you. I got to look for you. I'm not interested in anything else, and all of what we do is great, but God, none of it's going to work for me until I find you.
And the priests wouldn't even do it. They wouldn't even call out to God when God was lost among them. As the priest said not, where's the Lord? And they that handle the law, he said, knew not me. Interesting, he goes on to say, the pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal rather than by the word of God. Who is he talking to? He's not talking about Baal worshipers. He's talking about Israel who's influenced and started worshiping Baal. But they were God's people. I know this is heavy tonight, but truly, the church needs to be aware of the traps that the devil's trying to place in our path. But my God, hear me tonight. The church is going to arise out of the ruins of everything that is happening in our world today. And I believe we're going to get a good old dose of God that's going to stand up and put something in our back and raise us up and make us a people that are going to stand up for this truth. Amen. I don't just want to have church as usable, but God... Put me back down on my knees. Get my hands back up where I praise. Get the dance back in my feet. God, I got to have you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you on a Wednesday night. I'm looking for you on a Wednesday night. I'm looking for you on a Wednesday night. But this didn't just happen at a particular moment. This was going to have an effect from generation to generation. We weren't dealing just with a people of that time, but he was talking about we got to be aware for the future. Amen. I want to say this, that when you, including these ministers, I want to say this. If you want people to worship, you worship. Amen. If you want them to understand what God has done for us, it ought to start right here. I'm not just going to say it to you. I'm saying this to myself. That as I've been gone the last 10 days, I have made a commitment and a covenant with God that your pastor is never going to be the same. I'm going to preach it with boldness. I'm going to preach it with direction. I'm going to preach it as strong as I ever have. And I don't want one person to walk in that door and walk out and not know what I mean and what I'm saying. I want them to know what the Word of God is saying. And it says, Israel, I need me a Jeremiah. I want to say what I mean and mean what I say. It is. That would and it is, Sister Nicole. That'll preach. Then it says in the ninth verse, Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord. And he said, I will... Yet plead with your children, saith the Lord. And I will plead with your children's children. 
He said, I will plead. He said, I'm not going to quit on you. He says, I'm not going to quit on you. If you ever get to the place where you believe God's quit on you, you might ought to check yourself. Because he says, listen, I will never quit on you. So don't you quit on me. I will plead with you. I will come to you. I will never leave you. I will keep knocking on your door, beating down the door, trying to get into your house. But until you are willing to understand that you have to change, God does not change in your likeness, but you must change in the likeness of God. God is not here to try to fit into your narrative, but no, you got to fit into his word. Oh, I'm telling somebody something right now. Amen. While we want God to fit into our little box, God said, no, 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 no. I'm a lot bigger than that. The heavens is my throne and earth is my footstool. I have the universe and the palm of my hand and every breath you breathe is controlled by me and every step you take is ordered by God and God says I'm going to give you another step that you can make a right I'm going to give you another step that you can repent I'm going to give you another step so you can do what you know you should do I'm going to give you another step and he says those are ordered of God and God is saying I'm giving it to you I'm oh yeah I'm, I'm giving it to you I want you to know that through the spirit of God we can overcome my short, short son. He said, I'm going to plead with you. But this is interesting. He's saying to Israel, unlike other nations, unlike other nations, he's telling Israel this, unlike other nations, they are true to their gods. I got to read it. In the 10th verse it says this, for pass over the isles of Chittim and see and send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. He said, look at the world. And look how loyal they are to their gods. They don't quit on their gods. Israel, they don't quit. On their God. They will die for their gods. They will shed blood for their gods. They will throw their babies in the mouths of lions for their gods. And he says, 11th verse, Hath na a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Notice what he says. He says, my people, my people, my people keep changing. I 
Up one day, down the next. In one day, out the next. Faithful one day, but unfaithful the next. He said, Israel, Israel, stop, stop. I know I should be landing this thing, but I have so much on my heart right now. But dare we forget our fountains or our fountain of living water? Be careful. Let me just break it down so you understand it from this perspective. We have our fountain of living water, and that is Jesus Christ. And he begins to unfold this whole message of Jeremiah in the New Testament comparing it and showing it and metaphorically revealing it through him. And he says this. First of all, it starts with the Samaritan woman. In John 4, 13, he said, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. You draw your cup out of a well, and once you drink it, three or four hours later, you're thirsty again. But he says in the 14th verse, well, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into what? Everlasting life. Hallelujah. So he shows this Samaritan woman how this water will be in them. It's not a cup that you draw. It's not a social group that you become involved with. It's not about small groups. Those are just ways to get to the living water. But it's not the living water. Just as he was showing her the well was only an example of how to get to the true living water. Everything we do from coffee shops, everything that we do from lead guitar player Kid Carson, you did an awesome job tonight, and I, I want to hear it a little louder. That's just talking to the sound man. And nobody hears us but me and you. <laughs> and all of the things that we do, from the preliminaries, from Brother Letta, what you did here tonight is only leading us from a literal well. Because if you're only here drinking from what we can offer you, you will never understand that it's leading you and we're trying to get you to a place that is greater than what this church can offer. Amen. But he also says, as to all who believe. It's not just to this woman Samaritan woman at the well, but if you look at John 7:37, it says this: In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, in the scripture hath said, in the scripture hath said. 
in the Word of God hath said. In the preaching of the Word of God. Not in the preaching, but in the preaching of the Word of God. As the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And later, in Revelations, it was revealed to John on Patmos regarding our state between the... Uh, our state between life and death, or death and the resurrection, I should say. So the moment we draw our last breath, what happens between there and the resurrection? Or there and the opposite way. What happens? What happens? Revelation 7.13 says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came them? Or where did they come from? Talk about the church. And he said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white with what? White in the blood of the Lamb. He says, therefore, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall, shall dwell among them. Then he says in the 16th verse, they shall hunger no more. Hallelujah. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat be upon them. Then he says in the 17th verse, why? For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Y'all still with me? I got a couple more minutes. But the weather wouldn't have been so long. I'd have had more time. Huh. So now, he's saying in the last days, there's going to be living water. And the ones that know where that living water is, their robes shall be washed whiter than snow through the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. But then let me just talk in conclusion here today regarding our eternal destination in the New Jerusalem. Revelation 22, 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. He said, I saw this water. Jeremiah, you need to preach to these people. Don't take yourself out of the river. Don't take yourself out from the water that wants to flow in your life. Keep yourself faithful. And in the Revelation and in the New Testament, it shows us that we should not forget God and what he offers us when it comes to living water. He says, because if you do two things, one, 
one is you'll forsake the water and you'll create your own cisterns and when you do it's nothing but noise because there is a fountain springing up into everlasting life in John 4.14 there are rivers of living water flowing from our hearts. John 7, 38. Who through Jesus and his spirit promises us after this life to lead us to living fountains of water in Revelation 7, 17. And a pure river of water, the water of life proceeding from the throne of God. I will say this in conclusion tonight. We face a very real possibility of departing from the living God if we're not careful because of everything that's going on in our world. Now is the time to be more faithful than you have ever been. Now is the time to say Wednesday is as important as Sunday. Now is the time to come and hear every word that is being spoken because it just might be one word of anointing will come to your spirit and change the destiny of your life. Amen. We face this. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Careful. Be careful that you're not hewning out cisterns, creating your own ideology of what you believe is right and what is wrong because you want to make it easy for your lifestyle. Let me just say this, that we must preach the word of God even if it is not politically correct because of a particular lifestyle people are wanting to live. So forsaking our fountains of water occurs when we substitute with, with it broken cisterns that promise us but never deliver. Israel had her broken cisterns. False God like Baal out of Jeremiah 2.8. False prophets who spoke in the name of Baal, Jeremiah 2.8. False sense of prosperity of which God forewarned in Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 17 and also in Jeremiah 2, 6. Israel foolishly left God for what were poor substitutes. Tuning out of broken cisterns. And certainly we can be guilty of going after false gods today as it's found in Ephesians 5.5 5 and Colossians 3.5. Such as materialism and immorality, immorality is running rampant in our world today. It just seems like it's confusing people as to what is right or wrong. But I am saying to you, church, please hear your pastor tonight. I, if I could, I'd get down on my knees and beg you personally come to your house and get on my knees and beg you to hear what your pastor is saying. If we're going to do this thing, we better start doing it now. We better live for God now. We better make this thing real now. And quit playing with the world as though it's some kind of game that we can play. Because
because it's no more game time. It's time to get serious about this thing because we got to get to the point where we win. And if God be our partner, let's make our plans big. Mm, I'm done. I wasn't flying an airplane. I was in a helicopter. So I just <laughs> sit her down. So I'll stand. You feel like God spoke to you tonight? Well, I'm trying to see how many steps I got in. <laughs> no, I was looking at the time. I got Amen. It's so good to see everybody tonight. It's good to be back. Well, you all had a, a few opportunities to vote in a new pastor. I think Brother Hawks would have uh, been a good choice. I think Brother Flores was a good choice. Uh, Robbie almost took the thunder, and then Corey. Uh, so I'm... I'm Corey was doing phenomenal, so I'm like, I guess you got a good teacher, you got a good preacher. I was thinking I might take another few weeks, but then a few of you called me and said, you need to get home. God's good. God bless you. You're dismissed in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen.